You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. So we are spending a few weeks looking into the first couple of chapters of the Gospel of Luke as we are headed toward our birth that we celebrate at Christmas, the Lord Jesus Christ. More songs sung about him, more pictures painted of him, more books written about him than any person in the history of the world. In fact, our entire calendar revolves around his life. B.C., before Christ, A.D., Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. That literally everything comes down to the most important holiday in the history of the world, that that we celebrate at Christmas, the birthday of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to learn a little bit more about his mother, Mary. But before we jump into the text, let me share with you something I'm going to go ahead and admit that I'm not always really good at, and maybe you're not either. And that is dealing with stress, anxiety, fear, worry. There are times that perhaps you wake up in the middle of the night, or you can't even go to sleep because your mind won't shut off. Or there's just something that is incredibly worrisome for you. Let me see if I can teach you some things from what I've learned through my mistakes. And that is that we have this fear as we're looking into the future, and it's kind of like we're all chicken little. You know, the sky's falling, the sky's falling. It's where we automatically go to the worst case scenario about everything. And fear causes us to be false prophets. We prophesy our own doom. And you know, what that means is that we're looking at a future that's devoid of God's presence and God's power and God's grace, and it robs us of everything in life right here, right now. That There are things and people that God has given us, but we're so busy worrying about this cataclysmic future that awaits that we don't even pay attention and we just kind of skip over those things and those people that are right in front of us. So when we live in a constant state of alert and a constant state of tension, our body is on edge. And with that, our adrenaline is pumping. And for a while, you may feel strong, you may feel alert, but over time, it weakens the immune system. You start getting sick, maybe you put on weight, you're getting headaches and pain and heartache and you can't sleep and your blood pressure goes up. That's because your body cannot exist in a state of of anxiety and, and tension constantly. And then there will be those mood swings where everything, it gets amplified and you're incredibly sensitive You know, not one more person, one more thing. I can't deal with it. And you become this this grumpy person that everyone else around you feels like they have to walk on eggshells. I may have described a few in this room. So fear, anxiety, worry, it leads to brokenness in the body, which then allows us to start self-medicating. So it's drugs, alcohol, TV, internet, anything to numb, anything to distract us. And then we're not getting good sleep, so then our energy is depleted. So what do we have to do? Then we have to wake ourselves up 
stimulants. Maybe it's heavy doses of caffeine or some people go to drugs or illicit behavior to get that adrenaline pumping again. Or we crave these things called energy drinks. I don't know if you've ever read the can. It literally says, if you drink this, you'll explode. (laughs) And if someone would dare say, don't worry, then you get defensive. Let me tell you about my obligations and and duties and and decisions that I've got to make and my responsibilities. and, And if you're not careful you start going down a path where you're going to remove yourself from other people and you're going to remove yourself from decision-making and you just want to shut down. So then you have options. You can run to the problem. You can fight. It'll be a battle. You'll have to show your scars later. Or maybe it's flight. You run away and you pretend like, okay, if I, if I just don't think that it's there, then maybe I'll win. The third option, you run to the Lord. Non-Christians don't even understand that that's a possibility. Well, today we want to look at a case study of a young woman named Mary. She was the mother of a guy named Jesus. Maybe you've heard of him. She's in a circumstance where she could look at her future and worry big time. Let me tell you the things that she could worry about. She's probably a teenager. She's pregnant. She's engaged to be married, but she's not married yet. And so the question is, is this guy going to hang around or not? Furthermore, her reputation in this small town is not going to be good because once she tells people, hey, God got me pregnant, they're going to go, no, he didn't. In addition, she's poor. So she has all these things against her, plus she's pregnant with God. At this point in the story, as Luke tells it, she's about 100 miles from her hometown. She's staying with her relative, Elizabeth. She doesn't know what's going on back home. She doesn't even know what her fiancé, Joseph, might be thinking. So for how many of you, if this were your resume, you'd be worried stressed, anxious, looking at the future and saying, how am I going to make it? How is this going to turn out in a way that doesn't destroy me? Let me tell you what she does. She worships God. She could be worrying, but instead she's worshiping. Rather than running at her problem or running from her problem, she runs to the Lord and she brings her burden with her. So I want to share with you three things about worshiping instead of worrying. Now, none of us is perfect at this, but by God's grace, you can begin to make improvements for your life, your health, your well-being. Point number one, worship looks up. When we're worrying, we're normally looking out, like like what's coming, who's coming, what's at me, where do I have to prepare for battle? Worship looks up. Lord, who are you? You are over all of this, so let me remind myself of you. You're going to see in these three snapshots that we're going to look at today that she looks up 
to see who God is, and then she's able to look at how to worship him. Now, for how many of us, that would not be our first questions when a crisis hits. God, who are you, and how can I worship you? So, Kara, I'm going to have to get you to direct me on these. I left my phone over there about 50 feet away. Luke 1:46, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. Your whole existence is to connect with the Lord who made you. So when people see you, they see him. When people think about you, they are actually thinking of him. Next verse. She says, and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. He is Lord over your life. He is the highest authority. He is able to deliver. When you don't know how you're going to get through something, you look at him. Now, he might not take you around the problem, but he will take you through it. Next slide. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She's saying, my God sees and knows people. My God pays attention. He's not distant. He's not absent. You need to know that God loves you. God sees you. He knows you. And what's amazing with God is that God loves each of you as if you were the only person alive. God knows what you're going through. He knows where you're hurting. God knows what burdens you're carrying. He's not abandoned you, my friend. He knows you. He's watching you. Next verse. She says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now, I wonder if really at this moment, how many times she would have thought, I'm really blessed right now. She has to walk 100 miles back to her home, figure out what Joseph's going to do. She's not sure what the people in the town are going to think. She's pregnant. She's got to raise this child who's going to be the one to atone for the sins of the world. God is a God who blesses us. And if, even if circumstances come our way that are not a blessing, worship allows us to see a blessing in the circumstance. Cancer is not a blessing. Divorce is not a blessing. Unemployment is not a blessing. But God, if you bring those to him in worship, will help you find the blessing in it. Quite a perspective from a teenage girl, don't you think? She goes on to say, next verse, for the mighty one has done great things for me. She's saying, my God has the power to do whatever he wants to do. Now, that doesn't mean that he will do something, but he can. And if he chooses to do something, there is no power greater than his to thwart his will. And then she says this. Next line, holy is his name. She's saying, my God does good, not evil. He brings life, not death. 
He brings hope and peace and love and mercy and provision. This is part of what faith is. Faith is seeing who God is and seeing the future with God present. That's the antidote to fear. So before you look out and forward, you got to look up and Godward. But let me be clear. We don't worship God in order to get the results we want. Worshiping God is not a way to get the future that we want. Think about it this way. The prayer of the Lord, the one that he taught us, was not my will be done, but thy will be done. The God of the Bible, we can't manipulate him. We can make requests of him just like a child does of their parent. And many times the requests get answered yes. But ultimately, God reserves the right to determine our future because he holds it as our Lord. And what Mary keeps coming back to is a point of inviting God, worshiping God, surrendering herself to God, enjoying God's presence. And let me say, this seldom happens in an instant. It'll eventually tell us in verse 56 that Mary stays with Elizabeth for three months. So this is a process of her growing, learning, being with the Lord and coming to a place of resolve where she can get ready to go back to her hometown and handle whatever adversity comes her way because she's been with the Lord and she's ready to do his will. So point number one is worship looks up. Point number two is that worship looks back then. So we look up to God, but still before we try to move forward, we look back as Mary does to see what God has done in the past. That will give you momentum to go forward. You see how, how has God treated his people? How has God involved himself in your circumstances in the past? How has he been faithful to you? That'll keep coming. She says, his mercy. Now, what God is letting her believe at this point is God saying to her, I I know you need help. I know you're in trouble. I get it. I understand. His mercy, next line, extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. What Mary's saying is God doesn't bless people. God blesses people who live according to his will. There's a difference. Because if you're living in God's will, you're living in the most likely place that he is going to bless. That doesn't mean that you're going to get what you want. It means you're going to trust him to give you what he wants. Next, she says, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. That's a metaphor for saying he has reached down to save and deliver. And then she says, he has scattered those who are proud in the inmost thoughts. Next line, he has brought down rulers from their throne. She's saying, I don't want to live as if I am entitled. I I don't think God owes me. Hey, look at me. I'm the mother of God. Instead, she says, but has lifted up the humble. She's saying, God likes the glory for himself. 
That's so opposite of human selfishness. So when good things happen, people know that it comes from the Lord. He's lifted up the humble. She says, he has filled the hungry with good things. In other words, God is generous. But, next line, he has sent the rich empty away. Here's what happens. When fear, anxiety, stress, worry come upon us, we're looking out to the future. But what does she do? She looks up to God. She looks at what God has done in the past. Okay, look, God, other people, uh, you've brought them through things. And I know you've brought me through things. So what are you going to do at this moment, God, for me? I know I can count on you. And I'm going to trust you and your character to be consistent. Here's the good news. God is not only true to you, he's true to himself. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because God is perfect and God is good. He doesn't change By the way, all this happens in the context of worship, spending time with the Lord. It doesn't happen in isolation, surfing the internet, frantically making social media posts of you freaking out so others join you in your freaking out. Spending time with the Lord, spending time in the presence of the Lord. She starts by looking up, then she looks back, and then she's ready to look forward. You see what's happened is here is that her circumstances didn't change, but her soul did. What that means is things may not be okay, but you'll be okay. Sometimes we think, well, if I just had better circumstances, then my soul would be better. I I could have a better perspective, a better outlook. Your circumstances may not change, but you need a better soul, a better perspective, a better outlook. So here's what she does. Point number three, worship looks ahead. She says this about God, verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel. You need to know God likes to help. And here's the truth. God doesn't need you, but he loves you enough to want to help you. Just like a parent who loves their child, is willing to serve that child. God is a father, and he always sees us as his kids. Next two verses. So he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Do you know that God will speak to you, usually through his word, at a time that you need it. Now, what he's not going to do is give you the whole map. He's not going to give you a step-by-step guide, a a manual that is for everything that's going to come in your life, no matter what, no matter what direction, no matter who. You're not going to see that. But what he will give you is the next step in the right direction as you read his word. As you look at something in, in God's word, you see that, and you obey it, you're taking that next step in the right direction, and you keep doing that. That's saying, I don't know what the results or the consequences will be, but today I will seek to the best of my ability to do what is right in the sight of the Lord 
and let him have the results. Last verse. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Elizabeth was about six months pregnant when Mary arrived. So it seemed as if she stayed throughout the duration of the birth of of John, Elizabeth and Zechariah's son. But then she still had that 100-mile journey home then. She doesn't know what Joseph's going to do. She doesn't know what the people are going to say. What does the future hold? She doesn't know. But because she has spent time in the Lord's presence, she has been worshiping the Lord. She's invited the Lord into her fear. She's now ready to walk in the will of God. And she is one of the most godly people in the history of the world. So let me give you a way through all that you're going through. Who's in Mary's womb? Jesus. And he's going to grow up and carry the greatest burden in the history of the world. He's going to take upon himself the sin of the world. He's going to make himself responsible for the salvation and forgiveness of all of God's people through all history. Jesus is literally carrying a cross on his back. He's carrying a physical, emotional, spiritual burden to the place of his crucifixion. The night before, Jesus is in a garden and he brings his burden to his father. And we're told that he is so emotionally, physically just overwhelmed at that point that he is sweating drops of blood. So the question, is he being ungodly? That's a weird question to ask, isn't it? Is God being ungodly? The answer is no. Is he sinning by feeling? (laughs) Jesus never sinned. Does Jesus articulate his concern? He says, Father, I would ask that this uh, this cup of suffering would pass from me. Is it okay to be emotionally burdened? Is it okay to bring those burdens to the Lord and talk about them? Jesus did. And then Jesus says, not my will, but your will be done. And he surrenders. Now, not to the same perfect degree, but Mary does too. She surrenders to God's will. And then Jesus goes to the cross and he dies in our place for our sins as he becomes our substitute and our savior. Let me close with this thought. You can't freely worship God. You can't freely praise the Lord if you're always carrying burdens in your hands. Give those burdens to the Lord you're free to worship him alone we hope you enjoyed the message you can connect with us on instagram facebook our website bhprez.org and subscribe to our youtube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content